You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer, and this podcast was created to guide special educators in their journey to become amazing teachers. My goal is to provide you with the support and training you need to become a highly effective and successful special educator. If special education is your calling and you are in it for the long haul, then this is the place to be, and I'm going to be right by your side helping you learn everything you can about being a great special educator. So you might be asking yourself, what does a great special educator even look like? Well, I am so glad you asked. There are many qualities that go into making a great special educator. Adaptability, organization, communication skills, collaboration, compassion, knowledge, patience. I really could just go on and on and on. But just as with anything else, we are not all great in all of these areas. I'll tell you that I'm not the most organized of individuals, but my ability to lead others is strong. I'm not the most outgoing individual either, but I maintain a high level of professionalism and accountability. But I think that every person who's going to work within this field and be successful at it needs to have this one trait above all, and that is the devotion to improvement. As long as you have an open mind and are willing to learn and improve and grow, then nothing can stop you. So to help you grow, I have a little quiz that I want you to take. It's called the What's Your Special Educator Superpower Quiz, and it's just a short, fun little assessment about where your strengths lie, and it helps you pinpoint your weaknesses so that you can make an intentional effort to improve on them. So to take the quiz, go to www.spedprepacademy.com slash quiz, or you can just click the link in the show notes after the episode. I've gotten so much feedback from other special educators who say that this quiz is spot on, and it has helped them identify the superpowers they never knew they possessed and gives a name to the kryptonite that's been holding them back. Again, that's spedprepacademy.com slash quiz. In today's show, I want to dive into something that I touched on back in episode 63, and I believe episode 20, when I talked about becoming the CEO of your classroom. And that is the difference between being a boss and being a leader for your staff. I was out in public one day a long time ago, and I ran into one of the paraprofessionals who worked within my department, and she introduced me to her husband as her boss. Now, I was probably... 10 to 15 years younger than her, and I hadn't been teaching for very long when this happened, so it kind of hit me weird. Like, me? A boss? Really? That's not something that I ever thought I would be called when I was growing up and went to college. I never envisioned myself as someone's boss because I didn't go to college to be a boss. In fact, that word, boss, has a bit of a negative connotation for me because growing up, I would always hear things like, don't be so bossy, or that girl in your class just bosses everyone else around. I have even said it to my own daughters, don't be bossy to your sister or don't boss your friends. When you use the word boss as a noun, it doesn't sound so bad. It means a person who is in charge of a worker, a group, or an organization. So by definition, I guess I was the boss. I made their schedules. I wrote their lesson plans. I completed their evaluations. They reported to me if they were going to be sick. So it made sense that she called me that. But when it's used as a verb, to boss means to be master of or over, manage, direct, control, and it means to order about, especially in an arrogant manner. So quite literally, to boss means to tell employees what to do in order to control them. And that is absolutely not who 
or what I wanted to be. And so I think that the two definitions butted heads within my brain for quite a while. I spent many years trying to work out my role in our department, and it became evident throughout the years that a boss is not something I wanted to be. I wanted to work on the front lines with my staff. I wanted to build a team culture, and I wanted to be seen as a leader instead of a boss. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm positive there are many people in the world who are great bosses who exhibit all the characteristics of a true leader. But if I had to guess, based on experience and books and articles I've read over the years, a good many bosses don't ever develop the skills needed in order to make them a good leader. And that's where I'm coming from today. I want to help you become the leader of your team and of your department. So I want to dig in a little bit deeper to this and explain the differences between the two and hopefully give you some good information on what you can do to become a good leader for your staff. First of all, leaders roll up their sleeves and work. When you're working within the field of special education, there's going to be some major issues that arise and true leaders really get in the trenches with their teams. They take initiative while bosses tend to stand aside and supervise others doing the work. Seeing that your leader is as invested in the issue as a team can inspire others to do their best work. Bosses like to sit on the sidelines and only interact to give orders. This management style hurts the team motivation, collaboration, and creativity. An example of this that I've witnessed from my own boss slash leaders is when we have a behavior crisis in the building, my administrators don't just expect me and my staff to handle the situation on our own. They are always right there with us, either helping to de-escalate the situation or just providing us with support. And that is so appreciated at the end of the day. And I make it a priority to imitate this behavior with my own staff. I never want them to feel like they aren't supported when it comes to discipline or behavior or, or anything for that matter. If something needs to be done, whether that's assisting with bathroom needs or extreme meltdowns, my co-teacher and I are right there in the middle of everything with them. The second is leaders don't scold, they teach. So no matter how effective of a leader you are, there is going to be a time and a place that exists for communicating wrongdoing and corrective action. However, the vast majority of matters involving an employee can be handled with a dose of constructive criticism instead of harsh scolding whether it's in private or in front of peers. And I always recommend doing it in private. Leaders offer sound advice in private settings, while bosses tend to scold and may even threaten their employees, which can leave them feeling concerned, embarrassed, and defeated. Leaders can deliver discipline too, but their approach in doing so should be from a learning experience for employees to redirect their efforts away from what is not working. If there's something that I see during the course of a day, I will make a note of it on my calendar or type it into the notes section on my phone so that I can address it later. I then wait for an appropriate time with no students around and no other adults around, and I just say, hey, can I talk to you about something real quick? And then I address it. I provide alternate solutions, and I move on. I don't harp on them or make them feel bad for whatever it is that has happened. Because Lord knows I am not perfect and I've made my fair share of mistakes, so it would be highly hypocritical of me to dog on someone for something that I've probably done myself at some point in time. It's also a chance to teach them something that they may not have known. You have to remember that paraprofessionals did not go to college and receive the same training within the field of special education as you did. For many of them, it's second nature to pick things up quickly, but for some of them, you will have to teach whatever it is you want them to learn. For example, I've had parents who want to help the child do everything, but once I taught them that the child has to learn to do things for themselves and that there is a hierarchy for providing assistance so that they can become more independent, it made all the difference. They, will, they were able to help our students become more independent by expecting more from them. 
The third is leaders offer equality. It is human nature to have a stronger relationship with some of your staff members than others. For someone who operates as a boss, this can look as though you're picking a favorite employee or two, which can result in unfair treatment, such as devoting more time to certain employees than others, giving them more leeway on things, and creating an inner circle. This favoritism typically does not sit well with other employees and often will decrease team productivity and morale. Good leaders treat everyone equally, giving one person's ideas the same weight as everyone else on the team. Strong leaders don't let personal preferences get in the way of creating a dynamic environment. I've worked with almost 100 different paraprofessionals throughout the years, and they all are as different as night and day in their personalities. They each have their strengths, and they each have had their weaknesses, and it's my job as their leader to figure out what those are early on and to play to their strengths and to communicate this to the whole team. The fourth is that leaders listen and then speak. Good leaders spend time listening to their employees rather than talking above them. They understand the value of seeking and incorporating the opinions of others into the decision-making process. In my brain, a boss just likes to hear themselves talk. Bosses tend to dominate conversations. They expect employees to listen and carry out their commands with little or no direction. This type of attitude is not a sound approach to building a team of engaged employees who want to be valued for their knowledge and skills. Now, I am not much of a talker, so it may seem that I am a good listener, but I really struggle in this area. My brain operates at maximum speed and capacity at all times. I'm usually thinking about five to 10 different things at once. And so when someone is talking to me, I have to consciously tell myself that I need to be in the moment and listen to what is being said. Once I can internalize it and process it, I feel very confident in my ability to communicate back to them and to help them with whatever they need. So in order to become a good leader, you need both. You need to be a good listener as well as a good communicator. And the last one is that leaders lead and bosses push. Leaders motivate their employees, which then inspires them to follow their leader's example. Bosses tend to push employees instead of directing them. This type of manager tends to never make decisions, which forces employees to work without guidance and expectations while their manager hides behind a wall of inaction. True leaders frequently present ideas and work alongside their employees. They clearly communicate objectives to the team and their actions are aimed at achieving goals together. This is the difference between inspiring team members and losing their respect. When a team has confidence in their leader, it can help improve team culture and motivate the staff to step up to meet the high expectations that you've set in place. So these five things represent some of the differences between a boss and a leader, and they seem simple enough, but simple does not always mean easy. True leaders make a commitment to put in the hard work, to assess their management styles, to understand these key differences, and then to make a concerted effort to put these good leadership characteristics into action. So when making that commitment to becoming a leader versus being a boss, the one thing that I have done above anything else is to learn. I am and always will be a lifelong learner and self-improvement is one of my top priorities when it comes to learning things. I guess I feel like if I'm not open to learning and growing, then how can I expect my staff and the teachers that I mentor to do the same? I have read many, many, many articles throughout the years on how to become a better teacher leader, and I've read some books that have really helped me grow into the leader I am today. The first is called Shifting the Monkey by Todd Whitaker. I read this book because I was struggling with how to effectively manage a paraprofessional who had a really strong personality, and it gave me all sorts of confidence in becoming a better leader, and it challenged me to think differently about how I managed difficult situations with my staff. The second one I recommend is by John Wooden. 
who was a prestigious college basketball coach. And you might wonder what sports has to do with education, but everybody should have this book in their personal collection because it's less about sports and it's more about life and life lessons. It's the kind of book that can change your life. The lessons he shares about leadership are something that nobody can afford to miss. In fact, they dig at your subconscious and they make you want to become a better person. And the last one I want to mention is The Coaching Habit, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever by Michael Stanier. This book asks the question, what can you do to become a better leader? Michael answers this question by offering aspiring leaders seven thoughtful questions that will change their leadership habits. This book is full of practical, useful, and interesting questions, ideas, and tools that will guide any leader trying to be better, and then it teaches you how to take this information and turn it into habits and put it into daily practice. You can click the affiliate links in the show notes to find these books, but whether you read these or other ones, there's so many out there, I highly recommend that you invest in your own education to learn more about how to become a great leader. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I am so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review. They give an instant boost to my ego, and they help others find the podcast as well. And then make sure you're following me on Instagram. I love to use that platform to add a little humor to our crazy days, as well as to provide you with motivation to get through the tough days, training on all sorts of topics that we need to know, and just overall support for what you do. You can find me on Instagram at Sped Prep Academy, and I've recently got into making some reels. They are way out of my comfort zone, but they are so fun to make. So make sure you check that out. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.